Hey everybody, what's going on? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this trade deadline edition of Blue Line Icing here on the Bullpen Card Podcast feed. The top five most impactful trades at the 2020 NHL trade deadline. It is just me breaking down all the trades who I think are going to make the playoffs in the East and West. It was a lot of fun to record. Let me know what you think in the comments. Tweet at us, ThunderBLG. Find us on Instagram, Thunderblog Sports, the Bullpen Cart Podcast group on Facebook. Join it and join the conversation. And as always, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Search The Bullpen Cart on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Find us, subscribe, leave a nice review, leave a comment, all that good stuff. But enjoy this episode, guys. I cannot wait for the end of the regular season and for the playoffs to come around. Here we Welcome to the special edition of Blue Line Icing here on the Bullpen Card Podcast feed. I, of course, am Jordy Cannell, the G-Man. It is just a solo pod, just me recapping the NHL trade deadline and my five most impactful trades for the NHLs. It came and went on Monday. A little bit of housekeeping. I know I was supposed to do a weekend recap. Basically, here's what happened. The weekend was really nice out, and I... Got myself a little too tired to record on Sunday night. Tried to do it Monday, realized it was the trade deadline, and I was going to want to talk about that anyway. I had reservations with my fiance at Vernick Fish in Center City, Philadelphia to celebrate a late Valentine's Day because I was out in Arizona. So I figured, come with this on Tuesday, but come with it with a different spin. So came up with this idea of the five most impactful trades to talk about. Probably will try if there's time to jump into a couple other topics, but that's the main thing here. So if you're a hockey fan, I hope you enjoy it. If you're not a hockey fan, I hope I can teach you a couple things about what's going on and have you geared up for the last month and a half of the regular season going into the playoffs. But let's jump right into it. Like I said, the five most impactful trades, and I'm going to do a little bit of cheating. I'm going to talk about more than just five trades. They're going to be grouped in bunches. So, for instance, number five, I call it the Vegas Impact. The Vegas Golden Knights, third year in the league. They've had themselves quite the run, going all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals in their first season. They may or may not have, or should or should not have gotten out of the first round, I should say. They had that crazy five-minute major where uh, San Jose comes back all the way in Game 7. And uh, they get not, and knock out the Golden Knights. But they made a couple different trades, or, or rather, they made one trade that was affected by another, and what I mean by this is we're going to start with one trade that was Eric Gustafson going to Calgary. Now, the reason why Vegas gets looped into this is Vegas could sure up their blue line by grabbing this guy. He goes from the Blackhawks over to the Flames for a couple conditional picks. Calgary also picked up another defenseman to help out there. Uh, really, the specific division, if you're not too familiar with it, is wide open at the moment as really it can go back and forth. I've talked about it now for the last couple weeks where I'm really hoping for a Flames-Oilers first-round matchup that may or may not be able to happen. And Calgary's really got to do some work. So they shirt up a defense that's been a little tough. Could they have gone for some offense? Sure, but, you know, I mean, at this point, they're in a playoff spot. They're actually in the position to play Vegas. Now, that's not why this is called the Vegas Impact. 
what ends up happening because of this, and Vegas was looking for a defenseman, they've had some issues with their blue line. Their offense has been great. They've scored 208 goals. That's the best in the Western Conference. So they're really, they weren't looking for too much there. Last year they made the big splash to get Mark Stone. But Gustafson would have been a really good fit for him. Really helped sure things up. Especially, like I mentioned, they have teams right up on their tail in the Pacific Division. Edmonton, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, is only three points back. Vancouver has been pretty cold. and They were in the Pacific a couple weeks ago. Calgary is only six points, which is three wins back of Vegas. And what ends up happening here is Vegas makes a trade for another Blackhawk. Robin Lehner is his name, and, and you might remember his name if you really only pay attention to the, to the playoffs or the late season and everything. Played for the Islanders last year, had himself a really good year, was a free agent, decided to go to the Blackhawks, and you know really took a bet on himself. He's going to be he's going to be a free agent at the end of this year, and what ends up happening with Vegas grabbing him is that the impact on the rest of the NHL again most impactful trades. And this is a little bit of a stretch because some of the teams mentioned here we're going to talk about, like Edmonton and like Carolina, does not end up getting a goalie. Now, you might think, why does Carolina and goalie sound familiar? If you watched any major sports outlet over the last weekend, you would have seen the Zamboni goalie, the emergency goalie that played for the Hurricanes over the weekend, David Ayers, and you know they're, they're in some trouble with where they're at with goalies. Now... Where Vegas comes into this, they pick up Laner. They trade Malcolm Subban, who's P.K. Subban's brother. And he had himself a decent year last year. And, you know, Vegas last year had a lot of health problems with goalies. So you'd think maybe he's going to pick it up this year. But Vegas actually owns the sixth worst even strength save percentage. And Laner, who's been having himself an awesome year, is... A really good pickup to be almost a, I'm going to say a 1C, because he's not as good as Marc-Andre Fleury at Fleury's best, but a good every third game option maybe to to back up Fleury. And Fleury, if he finds it, we've seen what he's done in the playoffs, obviously carried not just Vegas in 2018, but he's helped carry the Penguins to, you know, on a couple cup runs and a couple runs to the finals and everything. I know there was a couple years in there that he wasn't the best in the playoffs for the Penguins, but... This is a pretty big move for him, and now Subban gets the opportunity move over to Chicago, learn in an organization with some vets about maybe more about being a pro rather than in this next man up, you know, nobody wanted us, Island Misfits Toys type of thing that Vegas had. And, you know, I, I want to hope that it's a win-win for both. You, you obviously hope that Subban figures it out because he was fun to watch last year. Not that he was terrible this year, but you know, sixth worth save percentage and even strength. Not great, especially because it's only over 90%, 0.901. But that's number five. We're going to move over to number four. And this one is basically just the Senators rebuilding, but mainly the one I want to focus on is Jean-Gabriel Pagot going to the New York Islanders from Ottawa for a lot of different picks. And like I mentioned, Ottawa really going for a full reload. We're going to talk about a, another trade they made in the next, uh, the next uh, most impactful trade. But we'll you know kind of loop it into both of what what Ottawa really did. Now this Pago trade, a lot of conditional picks in here. The Senators are going full tank. They're getting a top three protected pick in 2020 from the Islanders, which basically what that means is that if 
the Islanders pick somehow converts into the first, second, or third pick. The first round pick would not be yielded to Ottawa this year, but next year in 2021, they get a 2022 second round unprotected pick. So that's going, that's already with Ottawa now. Then on the condition that the New York Islanders win the Stanley Cup in 2020, the Senators would get a 2022 third round pick. Now, Pago inked an extension later that day, becoming the second long-term contract on the books for the Islanders. He's the only only other player other than Matt Barzell to be on the books through 2025, which is tells, tells you a lot about where the Islanders are right now. They actually have a really, really young team, which is you know, great for them that they have everything all set up and, and all good to go. They're in a really interesting spot right now where they sit. They are in the playoffs. They are the first wild card. They'd be taking on the Capitals, but they're only a point behind the Flyers, and they have one game in hand. So in theory, if they win, they have about five hundred record. So they'll at least be able to, you know, get a point in theory. You know, looking at law of, law of large numbers and all that good stuff. But really, what this does for them, because they didn't really need to do a ton for defense. They have a great goalie situation. They have really good blue line play with their defensemen, but their offense really needed to be shored up. And what I mean by that is that if you take a look at just the Eastern Conference as a whole, every team that's currently in the playoffs, except for the Columbus Blue Jackets, who play a similar style of hockey, have more goals than them. The Hurricanes, the Rangers, the Panthers, all of whom are currently in the playoff hunt, as well as the Buffalo Sabres, and the Montreal Canadiens have scored more goals than them. Now, like I mentioned, the Islanders have a great defense. They have a plus 12 goal differential, which is great. It's better than the uh, it's better than Florida's plus 5, it's better than Buffalo's minus 11 and Montreal's minus 1. But then when you think about it a little more, New Jersey's only 7 goals back of them. Ottawa's only 7 goals back of them. And now Ottawa's played a couple more games, so take that as you will. But New Jersey's played the same amount of games, and they've had a ton of problems, and they traded away their best goal scorer however many months ago that Taylor Hall trade went out to Arizona. So, you know, they really need some help in offense, some depth. They're a team that's able to grind you down. You saw what they did against the Penguins last year where they swept them. I'm not sure if that type of run is in the cards for them, but, you know, I, I thought it was going to be a five-game series the other way with Pittsburgh winning last year. So what do I know there? They're in a good spot. They have a great coach, Barry Trotz. And really, they have the opportunity to potentially move into that three slot, potentially move their way towards a two spot and get home ice in the first round. Because Pittsburgh's only four points ahead of the Islanders, three points ahead of the Flyers. Washington's only two points ahead of Pittsburgh. So the Metropolitan Division, all of a sudden, has become wide open, which I'll talk about at the end a little bit. Uh, I mentioned, you know, we're going to go through the top five, three more to go through, a couple honorable mentions and all that good stuff. But we're going to go, instead of doing the winners and losers, because if you're a hockey fan, you've read a billion of those blogs by now. I'm going to give you my picks for playoffs and see if I can be right or wrong at the end of the season. We did this last year with Greg and Jared. Uh, We didn't write them down. Uh, The only one that we knew that was wrong was Greg and I both said the Flyers weren't going to make the playoffs. Then Jared did, then Jared tried to chirp me about the Flyers not making the playoffs, even though he was wrong and said they were going to, and I was right and said they weren't, because I'm weirdly pessimistic like that. But anyway, had to throw that chirp in there. But anyway, (laughs) we're going to go in that three and a half range right now. Mentioned talking about Ottawa. 
kind of builds into the third most impactful trade, and this is just a a one-on-one. But what the Ottawa Senators did in really reloading, they find themselves in a position right now with nine picks. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine picks in the first three rounds of the 2020 draft. And that's huge. You know, they've gone full tank. They recognize they have a lot of these different pieces. We talked about it a little bit as we've talked about hockey throughout the, you know, really since the the start of 2020 of where is Ottawa going to fit in at the trade deadline? Who are they potentially going to part ways with? And we found that out. They really dumped a lot of guys at this trade deadline and figured out what they were going to do. They moved. Obviously, we just talked about Pego. We're going to talk about Nemetsnikov or Nemetsikov in a minute, going all, all the way out to Colorado. But really what Ottawa did in acquiring so many different draft picks and having this young group who plays very well at home, whether you're talking about guys like Brady Kachuk, who's been awesome, uh, if you're talking about Anthony Duclair, who they kind of took a role on, he'd had this this decent career with Columbus and seeing what's going on there. Thomas Shabbat, really good young defenseman for them. They have this nice little core. They have Marcus Hogberg, who's been decently solid. Anders Nielsen, uh, Craig Anderson, who along with Bobby Ryan, who technically is not with the team right now, are the only two guys that were an overtime period away from going to the Stanley Cup Finals three years ago, which is kind of sad to think about. But they found themselves in a position now where they can get a number of different guys through the draft and build that way. I doubt they would try to package some of those picks to try to get a guy or even move that far up into the draft because even with Detroit so far down in the lottery or so far down in the, in the standings and you know they they find themselves here where they would be if the season ended today they'd be fourth so not terrible odds in terms of getting a, a top three pick or something like that I doubt Detroit would would part ways with that I doubt LA would to move I don't even know who they'd want to move to to Ottawa to try to you know move a couple spots down this isn't draft day the movie there isn't some sort of all over the board pick out there but you got to applaud Ottawa with what, what they're doing and the fact that they have these three guys that they want to build around. And we'll see what they do. And, you know, I mentioned Nemetsikov, who they moved to Colorado for a fourth rounder in 2021. Now, fourth rounders, you know, it's either hit or miss in terms of whether or not they make the NHL. And it's, it's still solid, you know, it's still solid. I don't have the exact percentage in front of me, but it's a great move for Colorado. It adds depth at wing for them where they already have a pretty decent offensive core. And we mentioned this team, they're one of the better scoring offenses in the NHL, not even just in the Western Conference where they rank first with 212 goals. But their power play, it looks like a bunch it looks like that rewind. They make opposing penalty kills look like peewees out there when they do it and they have a really good defensive core they made some moves in the offseason that it seemed like that they were going to work out you know picking up uh picking up uh, picking up a couple defensemen wow i cannot talk when i'm when i'm talking about colorado picking up a few defensemen shoring things up kale mccarr having an 
unreal rookie campaign. And their goalie situation has been outstanding for them. And kind of similar to last year, Colorado's been a little banged up. They've had some issues here and there. When they're healthy, though, which they are right now, they are incredible to watch. And now what this team is able to do with adding more depth and being one of the better even strength teams as well, they are poising themselves for a long run. And now, could they have made more moves to really go all in, make themselves the standout team in the Western Conference? Maybe. Maybe they could. You know, they have some cap space issues where they, they could add some more. And I think that they're fine at, at where they are right now because they've made the moves, like I mentioned, in the offseason to pick up guys like Nazim Kadri, who they picked up from Toronto and while well, he's hurt right now, and so is Miko Rantanen, one of their best players. They're still in a really good spot, and they've been on fire recently. And I don't doubt. I know you're three points behind St. Louis. you got to figure out how to, you know, get home ice because right now you play Dallas who's the stingy home team really stingy team in general really good defensively but I think them being quiet and not trying to brokerage everything to go for it is a great move on their part because they got these young guys like McCarr McKinnon's still relatively young I know he's what in his mid-20s now I think 2013 was his rookie year so he's probably 25-26 still I think with the moves that they've made, they leave themselves certainly open for a cup run this year and definitely open for a cup run in years to come because St. Louis has figured out an equation that keeps them in, in this perfect spot. And they last year wasn't a fluke that they went. It was a fluke that they were in last. They've been a team who's solidly been able to make the playoffs. And you could argue has been in that that no man's land of that they had problems getting out of the first or second round for a few years. But they were right there, and they were winning series and, and getting themselves close. Remember, in 2016, they made... 2000, they made ah, in 2016, they made 2016. In 2016, they made the Western Conference Finals against San Jose when they ended up losing to the Penguins. And then St. Louis didn't tweak too much. They got some moves made here and there. I feel like Colorado's just starting to move up in that way. And the thing that makes me feel really confident about them, and I'm probably going to talk about this when I go back to who I think is going to be great in the playoffs, is the fact that they're just barely above 500 at home, a place where they normally, the Avalanche, play well at. And they're 20-11 and 11 on the road versus 16-15. and 15. So they've, I mean, they're at 30-31 and 31 in terms of the two games, or the two, uh, two sets. Um... 30 at home, 31 on the road. But you got to figure that they're going to figure that out, and that's going to help them as we march our way towards the playoffs. And I feel fairly confident in saying that because of just how good this team can be. Now, what that does, or what depth does, obviously helps you a ton. But what that does for the rest of the West... I don't know if that trickles into the Vegas effect that I talked about before, because that's more on the Pacific Division. But I think in the Central, they made the, the loudest moves. They made the most moves, and only being two. 
But Dallas finds themselves saying, we're good. They stayed pat. St. Louis stayed pat with basically the same team, minus a few guys from that cup run. And I think Colorado did what they needed to do without trying to make some sort of blockbuster noise. Now, let's move over to number two. Mention that Vegas effect and how it affected the Pacific Division. But there's one team who really did a lot. And I'm giving them their own little spot here, and that is the Edmonton Oilers who find themselves three points out of the Pacific crown currently and are having themselves a great year. And now Edmonton has been very up and down. They've been very inconsistent. But what they've done is solidified a number of things. They added a very young player, and Andreas, I'm going to fuck up his last name, Athanaso, Tyler Ennis, another forward, but who is a vet and has been outstanding for a number of different years for a number of different teams they picked they picked up Ennis from Buffalo Athenaso and Mike Green in two separate trades from Detroit they came across the wire with a ton of these things on Monday Ennis is a great vet, uh, vet depth move Athenaso might be an outstanding line mate to either Connor McDavid or Leon Dreitzel this guy is like lightning so watch him and Connor McDavid might turn into must-see TV. And Mike Green, you might remember him if you don't pay that much attention to hockey again. He's the guy, played for the Capitals for a long time, and he was in a ton of Geico commercials. He'd be the guy shooting slap shots and breaking the ice into the Geico logo. This guy's been around the block a number of different times. He's been on teams that have made runs. He's been with, with Detroit for a couple years now. And... He's been a proven leader, and I get it. He's a little up there, but adding a guy to, to maybe your bottom pair, maybe your fourth, your third and fourth pair, uh, I don't think he's going to get up to the top for, for Edmonton by any regard, but I think he's in a good spot to really help bring a level of leadership to this team that'll help out a ton. And Edmonton's another team that, that kind of needs to figure it out a little bit. Uh, I get there's there's been some injuries. McDavid's been recently banged up. But Dreitzel's having a career year and running away with the points right now. Or the points race. And if they can figure out a more... F- the This sounds crazy because of what we talked about on the weekend recap of the fight, the, Edmonton, the battle of, of Alberta between Edmonton and Calgary. If they figure out a way to make their physical game a defensive shutdown physical game, this team could become dangerous very quickly because the crazy thing about the Pacific Division, really outside of the Coyotes, is that every team can score at will and still lets up a decent amount of goals. Edmonton, Calgary, and Vegas are almost at 200 goals, which is the worst of practically every team except for Toronto that's in the playoffs right now. Uh, they're the only team that's let up more than 200 of the 16 teams currently slated for a playoff spot. Arizona's at 174. Vancouver's at 187. They have also scored a good amount of goals. Vancouver probably being one of the better winners that aren't really being talked about because they didn't do anything. They're young. They're practically playing with house money with the number of young guys they have that are having awesome second, third, fourth years between Patterson, Bezer, who's been hurt, but 
a number of different guys that have been awesome. But the Oilers and what they're doing right now, and the fact that they didn't have to pay too much over the top for it, is pretty great in my opinion. Because it's we've been waiting for this, right? Again, going back to 2017, the Oilers make this run and fall short to the Predators in the finals, or the Western Conference finals, uh, in that Predators run. But I think that they're in a really good spot to maybe make something happen. And you gotta give gotta give credit to really that whole division, because I don't think anything is locked up. That Vegas ripple effect, though, I don't know if the Oilers saw that and thought maybe make one more move to put ourselves in the position to try to get not only home ice in the first round, which currently they're only up a point on Edmonton for, but also get home ice in the second round if we if we are really going to try to do this. Because at this point, whether it's St. Louis, Colorado, even Dallas, who takes the Central, they're going to be so much more ahead unless Edmonton, Vegas, whoever wins the Pacific, goes on a serious run. And Vegas right now is on the is on the is in the midst of a six game tear, six game winning streak. And yeah, I just think the central and the central is so much more talented too. But I'm very excited to see now where the Western Conference goes because we're at this position where Nashville and Winnipeg are the two teams on the outside looking in. Minnesota got pretty hot. They're technically five points out of a wild card spot. I would not expect that to remain for much longer. They're one of the more inconsistent teams in the NHL. They're very bad on the road. They're okay at home. I wouldn't expect this 6-3-1 last 10 trend to continue. Nashville's a team, though, that you we keep thinking, oh, they're going to turn it on at any minute, and they're running out of games. You're almost at the last 20 for them. Um, Chicago's a team. We mentioned them a little bit. They made some trades, dumped out a couple different guys, brought in a few picks, brought in a few prospects. Uh, they made the smart decision in realizing we are, while we are eight points out of a playoff spot, we have 20 games left. Let's call it a year. Same with San Jose. They made a few moves, really moving around depth guys. Uh, depth guys and vets. We'll talk about that in honorable mentions. But, yeah, I mean, the Western Conference is, is becoming exciting because those those two teams, Nashville and Winnipeg, hanging in there, could make these last couple, last month and a half pretty exciting. Comparatively to the East, where I would really argue it's Florida and Carolina are the two there. But the Rangers, you got to give them credit. They have one more win than the Panthers do, and they're also only six points out of a playoff spot. Uh, granted, they'd have to hopscotch Carolina. And that brings me right into the last, the number one, the most impactful trade. And I think it's really interesting to look at this because it's Carolina and everything they did, but they made trades with Florida and the Rangers to add some crucial pieces. They add Vincent Trocheck from Florida. They send over a couple players, a few prospects, really paid a, a big arm and a leg for a lot of the moves that Carolina made here. But they went aggressive. They're going for it. They want to capitalize on this. They had a great run to, to the Eastern Conference Finals last year where they got swept by the Bruins. Greg complains about it all the time because they didn't give the Bruins enough of a challenge. But now they want, now they want to show that this wasn't a fluke. They've had... Great play from their goalies, who both unfortunately go down on Saturday. Again, Zamboni drivers hopping into net. If you haven't seen it, go look this up. Ends up beating the Toronto Maple Leafs. Ends up being this crazy run that Carolina's putting themselves in. Uh, crazy run at the end of the game. And now they're it, now they're poised 
to potentially put themselves in a position for not only a wild card spot, but again, they're only three points behind the Flyers for the third spot in the in the Metropolitan. Six points behind the Penguins, which if you're saying Florida's got a chance, six points behind Columbus for that last wild card spot. You got to think the moves that Carolina made here put them in a position to go for home ice in the first round. Now we got to talk about the other moves that they made because they find themselves picking up Sammy Votnin from the Devils. He was a guy, really, him and Gustafson were the two big defensive names that were out there. A little surprised they didn't cross conferences. Gustafson going east and Votnin going west. Thought maybe, maybe they would have fit fit one way or the other. Votnin's this interesting offensive defenseman. And they pick up, I'm going to screw this up, uh, Skagey from the New York Rangers. And you've probably seen the meme get sent around with the Chance the Rapper, let's do that hockey sketch from SNL where he's one of the players there. Um, and now he goes to Carolina. Carolina even tweeted that out of, of his last name with a Carolina jersey instead of a Rangers jersey. Uh, but they pick these two defensemen up that really help sure up a pretty good defensive line, a, a blue line defensive core, I should say, where they have a couple injuries right now that, that are hindering them a little bit. But once they all get healthy, come playoff time, assuming Carolina gets in, which again, they've put themselves in this position to do, this could be dangerous, especially once their goalie situation, hopefully none of that's too crazy with Morazic and everything there, but Carolina is a team to certainly watch out for, especially you look at Columbus, you look at what the Islanders did, and that's why I don't have the Islanders move as high, as high up as I would want it to be. You talk about that they're positioning themselves well, they have a good coach in, in on Long Island, but Carolina, with Rod Brindamore and this team that has this scrappy attitude, They've scored 201 goals. They've only let up 172 goals. That plus 29 goal differential, better than the Flyers, better than Toronto, it's better than the Islanders, it's much better than Columbus, who's even, and it's better than the Rangers in Florida, both of whom picked up assets from Carolina. And don't get me wrong, the Rangers have have been really outperforming themselves really well, and apparently Henrik Lundqvist is close to being healthy again, which... If they're playing this well and they just inked Kreider to a deal instead of dealing him, which I'm going to give Greg a little bit of credit in a second in the honorable mentions, but Greg was really convinced at the All-Star break that he was going to get moved. Now, Greg, you called another move, but you got Kreider wrong. It's okay. It's okay. You got another one right, and you're going to get credit for it in a second. Um, But I'm very confident what Carolina is. I don't want to spoil it for when I get into where I think these different teams are going to end up. Come the end of the regular season, but Carolina made the most impactful moves at the trade deadline, not only just because of what it does for their team, both trying to really capitalize on that run last year, and I didn't even mention the fan impact, that it really helped put butts in seats, the storm surge that we've seen now for the last year and a half, and everything there. I think it's done a huge job. And doing this, telling your fan base, we hear you, you've come to the games, and we're going to try to put the best team on ice possible. I know you traded a first-round pick to the Rangers. I know you traded a lot of prospects that you held on, that you were holding dear, near and dear to your heart. But you're saying, we're going to try to make this thing happen right now because we're 
only six points back from home ice in the first round from hosting Pittsburgh, Philly, New York, Columbus, whomever in the first round. And who knows what happens with the Washington Capitals. Maybe, maybe we're going to inception the idea that we could get the Metropolitan Division. Not sure if I'm going to go that high, but that's what Carolina's ownership's doing. And that's what their GM did. And I got to applaud it there. That is my most impactful trade. Some honorable mentions. I mentioned San Jose. They dealt Patrick Marlowe for a conditional second round pick to the Penguins, which basically if the Penguins win the Stanley Cup, it turns into a third round pick. Um, Marlowe, as it turns out, grew up a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. His wife, Christina, tweeted out some pictures of Marlowe as a kid and in high school, him in Penguins gear. So maybe that means he's going to try to live out a lifelong dream. I haven't seen too much about if he had a no-trade clause or anything like that or if he could request where he might want to try to be traded. You'd think a guy who this is his second, second go-round with uh, with the team, he signed a couple games into the season, and you know, now he's found himself setting back up the team that drafted him, San Jose, uh, with a, you know, a second-round pick and everything, which is a pretty good haul. Uh, but the Penguins weren't done. They brought back Connor Sherry, who went to Buffalo after the cup runs, uh, the back-to-backs in 16 and 17. He's played on the line with Sidney Crosby, which I think, you know, you're, you want to think he's probably going to do that again. Um, I've said this a lot, the Penguins' depth has really shown itself throughout the injuries to first Malkin and then Crosby for however long he was out for. Uh, the big thing that scares me, and I was not expecting them to try to make some sort of deal of this, but of seeing what Matt Murray playoff version we get this year and what we get out of Jari. We don't really have too much to go off of with him. Uh, they had that wild game with the Capitals on Sunday, which Jared and I watched, and it was back and forth. The offense, though, can score at will, and the Whew, you haven't seen the Evgeny Malkin goal. Oh, man. He split through a couple Capitals defenders, and, man, he showed he still has it. But that was my one honorable mention. The other, giving Greg some credit, he mentioned this probably uh, the middle of January, so you know, a month and a half ago now. Ilya Kovalchuk got traded. From Montreal. Montreal also doing a really good job of loading up on some assets. They made a few other not as inconsequential trades. But they moved Ilya Kovalchuk to the Capitals for a for a mid-round pick. Or middle-round pick, I should say. Greg! Greg, you called this! Nobody believed in this move, but you called it. They call you the profit for nothing. Kovalchuk adds pro i mean i don't think he's gonna play on it he's not gonna be a top six guy on the capitals but third line maybe even fourth play with that team who knows the russian connections on that squad um it's an interesting move i don't know you want to think that the clock's gonna strike midnight on kovalchuk's practically cinderella run that he's been having uh in in montreal but who knows man i mean eastern conference has been a Pretty topsy-turvy throughout this season where I was gung-ho in saying that I thought it was Boston and Washington to the final, or the Eastern Conference Finals, and that they were going to run away with their divisions. I thought the Capitals were going to expand upon their lead in the Metro, and now Pittsburgh finds themselves only two points back. They were tied 
coming into that game on Sunday afternoon. The Flyers are only five points back. We mentioned it. The Islanders only three points back. Again, if you're saying Carolina's got a shot at taking over the two in the Metropolitan Division, you got to think that the Islanders can do it. Maybe Columbus. I'm not very high on them. I have not been all year. Um, they, for one, quick, quick vent here. So yesterday's the trade deadline, right? Monday. And every team is inactive. So players can move. They can go and, and get established with their new teams, make their debuts tonight, Tuesday. Columbus gets to play Ottawa, who I just gave all this credit to the Senators for reloading, for acquiring assets and all this stuff. Columbus gets to play them the day they trade away a bunch of dudes. Now, thank God I did not take any sort of action on it. Columbus ended up winning the game. They won in overtime. They've been ice cold recently. And you think, this is great if you're a Columbus Blue Jackets fan. I get to play, I, we get to play the team that just traded away everybody. And they still only won in overtime. It was 4-3. Now, granted, their young goalie, Elvis Masikis, who I got to see him in person last week. He is the real fucking deal. He is fun to watch. Flyers won that game very handily. Not a big deal. But he is fun to fucking watch. He got ran into in the second period, so that certainly helps out there. But, geez, this is a team who is very good at home. Granted, they're 19 and 15 right now. But still, a hard-to-beat home team in the NHL. They should have had their way with this team. I almost bet the over... Juice was too much for me, though. 4-3 would have got me. It Gotta go with your gut. That's my event. Anyway, let's let's talk about who I think is going to make the playoffs, because I think this is a really, really interesting run. We're going to start with the Eastern Conference. My boys, we're going to go with the Atlantic Division. So not my boys, but the East is. Uh, I still think Boston holds on to it. They, they end up winning this division. I know Tampa's on a fucking heater. They made a couple moves before the deadline, a couple days before to acquire a couple guys. Um, yeah, I just, I, I think Boston's got it. They're such a good team. Offensively, defensively, they're so solid. By far one of the best defensive teams in the NHL. And they're another team that's been had some issues getting banged up here and there. Guys on contract years, as Greg's talked about, I just think that they hold on to this thing. They've been able to keep pace with Tampa Bay for how hot the Lightning have been. you know, you got to give the Bruins credit. I'm going to go Tampa Bay 2. Um, yeah, I mean, it's one or the other, but got to think that they, they hold on there. Now, Toronto's currently slated in at the third spot. Um, you th- they're going to hold on to it because the next closest team is Buffalo. Buffalo made a couple trades just sending some guys out. They did pick up Wayne Simmons. I didn't mention that. So good for Wayne Simmons that he went out there. He got traded from the Flyers last year to Toronto. Or to, not Toronto, to Toronto's on the mind. To Nashville. um, Then ends up getting $5 million from the Devils. Devils actually holding on to half of that. So Buffalo only gets a $2.5 million cap hit on that. But yeah, they sent out a number of different guys. We mentioned mentioned a few of them, like Connor Sherry. Uh, but they're the next closest team. I know I'm mentioning you know only six points. They're only six points behind Toronto. But there is a big step between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Buffalo Sabres, at least right now. And Montreal's the same way. They acquired a bunch of assets. So Toronto's probably going stick to in, stick into the third seed in the Atlantic. 
uh, over in the Metro. I've been saying it, so I'm going to stick with it, but I would not be surprised to see the Penguins overtake him. But I'm going to say that the Caps, <clears throat> as the top team, uh, I, you know, they're cold right now. They've only won three of their last ten. And I think now that Ovechkin has gotten his 700th goal, they've returned from the long West Coast swing that they were on. <clears throat> you you got to think that they're going to find their groove in the last 20 games. And probably come into the playoffs red hot. So going with the Caps first. Two, I am going to go with the Penguins. Their team who, I mentioned it, they've really shown their depth. They added a couple guys up front that are really going to help there. Their defense has been outstanding. The goaltending is the biggest question for me in the playoffs, but we'll see how well that carries them through the end of the regular season. The only thing that concerns me with the Penguins out, you know, in the regular season is the fact they've played so many games at home and not as many games on the road. I know that sounds really almost like a simpleton take, but they've played 32 home games. They've only played 29 road games. They have to play three more to make that up. Easy math. But they're not a very good road team. They're 15, 12, and 2. That's 15 and 14 overall. It's something to be concerned about. It's just something that I'm concerned about as a Flyers fan. We'll talk about them in a second. But I'm going to give Pittsburgh the benefit of the doubt because they're very good at home. Very good at home. I was about to say normally good, but they've always been pretty good at home. Uh, so Penguins 2. I'm going to go Flyers 3. Similar reasons. Very good home team. Scary road team. As a Flyers fan, you've heard me talk about it. It's a, uh, a tough one. Tough one to stay with. I know I'm going to chalk right now, but got to be. Uh, I just think I think there's going to be some separation here in in the the top three to the wild cards. I think the wild card chase is going to get really interesting, uh, and I feel confident. I think this team looks so good at home, and then slowly but surely is figuring it out. Carter Hart, since returning, has been outstanding, and this three game winning streak the Flyers are on. Is their first three-game winning streak since December, which you know you got to feel confident there. They're in this position where now they have you know a number of home games coming up. They have a lot of back-to-backs in March, which also concerns me. They have to go to Nashville, which is always a tough place to play. I know I mentioned where Nashville is, and I'll talk about them in a minute. They got to go to Dallas as well. Dallas, a stingy home team. Dallas snuck away with the victory when they were here in Philly back in October. But I gotta think the depth moves that the Flyers made keep them right here at third. I'd love to see that flip flop, because the Flyers have struggled coming to Pittsburgh the last couple years. But that being said, I still think they probably slide in at three. Um, I'm gonna say for the first wild card, currently that's the Islanders. I'm gonna give that to Carolina. I think they did a lot. I think they're gonna make a move. They might even sneak up on the Flyers and Penguins in that two-three spot. Uh, I would not be surprised to see them flip with the Flyers. I just think right now that their goalie situation is a little bit up in the air. They're a team who their home ice advantage is still solid. Maybe that goes back up with the confidence of their, that the management's showing in the team. But I'm going to give them wild card one. That would have them facing off against the Capitals. But I'm going to give it to the Canes right there. Have themselves with an opportunity for a rematch of last year's showdown in the first round between the the Capitals and Carolina. Then for my final team in the wild card, I am going to give it to the Islanders. Um, 
I think that their system is is still really solid. Um, in terms of percentages, they are still one of the better teams at home. On the road, they're not. They they struggle, man. They're a team who either goes off for a number of goals or struggles, and it goes well to them because their defense is so good they can eke out a one nothing, two one, three one win. But if but man, if it's the opposite way, which they're gonna have to play some tougher teams down the road. They've they've I think they're done playing the Rangers, who they've completely owned throughout this year. Um, they got to play the Flyers a few times, so that's going to be an interesting test for both of those teams. Really see a lot of a team that has done well and scores goals in bunches like the Flyers and a team that can shut down other opposing offenses like the Islanders. But I do think they come in at the wild card too. Columbus has been ice cold recently, and I know it's it's tough to just say that, oh, they're, they're just going to fall apart. They're 31-33 and 33 overall. They have 14 overtime losses. They're able to get you to overtime. There's a reason why their goal differential is zero. Maybe that helps them, but if they can't pull out more of these overtime victories, or if they don't pull out, really, if they don't pull out normal victories, because that becomes the tiebreaker now. It's not just regulation plus overtime. It's regulation. They took away the overtime aspect to it. It really bodes poorly for this squad. And I get it. They've gone to overtime in five of their last ten games and lost. You get points there, and it helps. You, you know, you get nine points over your last ten, comparatively to ten for the Islanders, and you're tied right now in the standings. But, or I guess six times because they won in overtime last night. But um, six times they went to OT. But I just don't believe in Columbus. I really don't. I think. We talked about the Cinderella run with with Kovalchuk. I think this is a Cinderella run that showed that Tortorella really did, wanted to show that them losing all these players wasn't a fluke. All this good stuff. I wouldn't be surprised to see them take a nosedive. I know they made some moves here and there and all that good stuff, but I, I, I don't really believe in them. But over to the West, we'll start in the Central Division. Uh, St. Louis has a three-point lead on Colorado. I see them flipping Colorado 1, St. Louis 2. I think Colorado figures out their home woes that we talked about a little bit earlier. And I think they stay as one of the better road teams in the NHL. Best road team in the Western Conference. I think that offense continues to pump out at such a faster rate than their defense. That Colorado ends up overtaking St. Louis. It's nothing against the Blues, who have done nothing but have just a great follow-up to a Stanley Cup run. No cup hangover, aside from being even at 16, 11, and 5 on the road. But Colorado, man, I feel really confident in them. I have all year. They have the same number of wins. Colorado has a couple games in hand. So I really like the abs there. Going Blues, too. I think they really got an opportunity to really show that their physical defensive play can do it again. And I think they're going to do that against Dallas. Uh, not to jump ahead to the playoffs, but... I think they're a team that can really go on a, on a, on a pretty solid tear, um, which is why they can easily take the Central Division. But I just think if you're if you're going to start going into a track meet between Colorado and St. Louis, I just think Colorado's able to do that a little better than the Blues are. So Blues 2, I'm going to go 
with the Stars three again. That Central Division's so tough. They're nine points ahead of Winnipeg, so it's kind of like kind of like Toronto, where these three teams are definitely going to be the top three. It's not to say that Dallas couldn't go off and win this division. They certainly could. They're one of the stingiest teams in the NHL. I mentioned that with talking about the Flyers going there in March, but I just the the low scoring, low goals allowed defense or defensive type teams like the Islanders, like Dallas. I believe a lot more in Dallas than I do in New York for what they're doing there. So I'm going to go Dallas three. Again, that's not to say that I don't love the Stars. I really like Ben Bishop. I think he's having a great year. He's been one of my favorite goalies for the last couple years now. With Ben, he's great, great forward, able to score at will. Pavelski's been a great pickup for him after they got him in the offseason. I just think, I just really value that type of team a little lower because I think it can work for a round or two. You saw Dallas do it last year. You saw the Islanders do it last year, but I don't know. I just don't think it makes a run, especially when some of these teams can shut you down and still score at will. Um, Going over to the Pacific Division, I feel really confident that the Oilers are going to go on a run and that they're going to win this division. I think that the moves they made are going to spark the fan base into being very excited for this team. I think that Vegas is still figuring some things out. They've been a little banged up here and there. And I think that, especially once Connor McDavid's fully good to go and 100%, I think this team could get hot and run into the playoffs. And part of this... Is because I want the Battle of Alberta really badly. But I think the Oilers have the stuff to do it. So I'm going to go Edmonton 1. And then for number 2, I'm going to go Vancouver. Got to go a little got to go a little stretch pick here. But this team is quietly doing it without anybody really talking about it. And I mentioned a number of different guys and I forgot to mention Quinn Hughes having a great rookie year that if Kill McCarr isn't Dominating, he's probably your your Calder, and you know Elvis had a good stretch there, so maybe he maybe he gets a nod if Columbus does make the playoffs. Um, but Quinn Hughes, man, is having an awesome year. The one thing that does concern me, similar to the Penguins, is the road woes and the Flyers for that matter. But the road woes that Vancouver has, they're a very tough road team to kind of get a get an eye for. Um, they're under 500. They're 13 and 17, by far the worst of any any playoff team. But I think they figure it out. And I think if they do get that closer to 500, they stay as one of the better home teams in the Western Conference. I know that sounds crazy, but they're tied for the best road record in the West at 20 and 11. Technically, it's just one point worse because St. Louis has one more overtime loss. But I'm going to say Vancouver figures this thing out. Their goal differential continues to grind it out, and they end up getting it. Then I'm going to go Vegas 3. So Oilers 1, Canucks 2, and Canucks host Vegas, the Golden Knights, in the first round. Now, this is not meant to be a drag at Vegas. I just think they've had their struggles defensively, not so much offensively, 
but defensively it's been very inconsistent and they're on an absolute heater now i mentioned it a six game winning streak but i think they probably still run into some woes coming into the end of the season i could be dead wrong about this they could stay as hot as they are and run away with the pacific and it finally has this clear picture i just think we're gonna see this isn't the last of the bumpy road we've seen on the las vegas strip to try to be punny Something tells me that their defense isn't as shirt up as they should be. Losing out on Gustafson, or really any defenseman. I mean, Sammy Vatanen would have been a great fit with that team. Seeing him and like Marsha Show, anybody on that team, Carlson, whomever, that could have been something interesting. I don't know. I mean, they're they're really don't like San, San Jose, but maybe they could have tried to make some other moves. Uh, I was just thinking San Jose might have had some some guys on the on the blue line to move, but they're they, those two teams hate each other. But um, uh, for the next team, I am gonna go Calgary, and that's partially because I want to manufacture a <laughs> battle of Alberta in the playoffs. Finally, you know we come up with this format to have to build rivalries out of the playoffs, and we've not gotten the battle of Alberta yet. So I'm going to say that. <laughs> Got a battle of Pennsylvania to battle of Alberta. Uh, Calgary, though, that's me picking with my heart. And I'm going to stay with that. I do think Calgary is the least of the four teams currently within that two-point radius of the wild card. I think they're the least likely to make the playoffs, sadly. Um, their offense needs to figure some stuff out. Their defense, sure, they got Gustafson, which is going to help out. I think they need a little more consistent play out of goalieing. Um, but if their offense figures it out, great. Um, didn't mention it all, by the way. Johnny Goudreau left the ice during practice, and people were freaking out on Twitter. And his response to the Calgary Sun was, I just had to take a piss. You guys, don't worry. Um, next, though, as much as I want to go with the Coyotes and as much fun as I had watching them out in, out in the desert... I'm going to go with Winnipeg. I'm going to say they get the last spot. They end up staying in division, having to play the Avalanche. But I think the Jets figure it out. They've been one of the more inconsistent teams throughout the season. And, you know, I don't know what the key is for them to finally figure everything out. But they've improved their home record. Their road record, you know, as you might expect, got a, got a little worse. But they're playing 500 hockey, and I think they continue to do that. I think if we see them get a little bit, get a little bit of a heater, you know, they're only a point back now. They're playing 500 hockey. They're and they have all year. They've played this kind of steady Eddie, nothing great, nothing bad game. And if they get some heat under their asses, which I feel like they might, they can find themselves right there. Now Nashville has a lot of games in hand, especially compared comparatively to uh, both Calgary. Both, uh, rather, both Arizona and Winnipeg, they they have two in hand at Calgary, but they have four four in hand Arizona and three to, to the Jets. Um, but uh, Nashville just it it bums me out. I really loved going down there to Bridgestone Arena, and I'd love to see them do it, but they just have been so inconsistent and all over the board that I can't really. It's like why, in my head, I should not be picking Calgary. I should be saying Winnipeg, Arizona, make it to the playoffs. But I want a battle of Alberta. So I'm going to go with that. You know, it's like March Madness. Sometimes you just got to say, fuck it. I want, the, I want this to happen and manifest it. Um, 
But those are my picks. We'll see how they end up going once we get to the playoffs. And I did want to mention for a couple, you know, maybe a minute or two about the Flyers. I didn't include them in there. They definitely, their trades were not a part of the most impactful anywhere out there. Um, you know, it's not even like L.A. where L.A. acquired a bunch of assets way before the deadline, a few few on Monday. But the Flyers made a couple depth moves, and it'll be really interesting to see what happens. They demoted Joel Farabee to make way for the two new guys, and some people are saying that demotion is just so that Farabee can get some AHL games under his belt so that he can be AHL playoff eligible in case the Flyers don't make it. Which makes sense, you know. You want to, you know, you want to get him more and more experience, especially because he's so young. Uh, I think Farabee will be back pretty soon, and I'm excited to see what these two guys do. You know, they're both hard hitting, more two way defense or two way forwards. Who that's what the Flyers. It's an identity they've started to find of being able to when they don't come out sluggish or play sluggish in the second period, which we've been seeing both. Sloppy first and some, and then good second or good first and sloppy second games out of this team. Um, I think that helps though of being able to shut down guys and and not letting plays truly develop in the neutral zone and stuff like that. Um, I'm glad they didn't make too many crazy moves at defense. The Gostaspare trades were swirling around everywhere to the point that the Flyers' Twitter account got into the fun of saying they traded Shane. S-H-A-N-E, which, for those that don't know, Shane Gossespierre sells his name, S-H-A-Y-N-E. We traded Shane Gossespierre, no Y, to to the Predators for Roman Yossi, to which Sports Radio 91 WIP here in Philadelphia announced it on air, not realizing the error, which uh, either says something about the popularity of hockey or just people wanting to report the news as soon as it comes out without doing any fact-checking, one or the other. But it says something. I'm glad, though, that they didn't make any defensive moves. I think their defensemen are still fairly young. The vets that are on the team are figuring it out. I think you got to... If Shane can figure it out and, and finds that form, which is tough to say with 20 games left in the season, I think that'll really help out the team. That being said, I like where they're at right now. Carter Hart's looked great, Catahat. And I'm excited to see where the team goes. But... That's going to do it. I really did end up talking for a full hour. I wasn't sure I was going to. I was afraid maybe it was going to be 20 minutes. So I was going to have to fill time talking about golf or other stuff. Um, WG, WGC Mexico, though, was awesome. John Rahm with a hole-in-one. If you haven't seen it, go look up the highlights. Everybody loves a good hole-in-one. But that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Let me know what you think. If you're not a hockey fan and you stuck it out, let me know. Uh, I'm glad I was able to entertain you, and I appreciate you listening. Hockey fans... Let me have it if I screwed something up. I know Greg normally does, but you know the rest of you got to get involved with the criticisms. Now I'm criticizing you. Want to light up? You know, want to make you mad at me? Criticize my ass. But thank you. Seriously, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Let's go Flyers. Let's go Sixers. Hopefully they figure their shit out. But I'm excited for the rest of the season. Baseball previews coming soon. Let's go.